Welcome to Hearts and Minds. My name is Catherine McMahon and I'm here with Maura Cassidy. And hey, today, hey. Hi. And today we're going to talk about Holy Week because we are in the throes of Holy Week and we thought it would be a good idea to run through it and discuss it from a spiritual perspective, obviously. Exactly. Um, I think sometimes when Holy, you think Holy Week, you can sometimes think, um, well, I'm not really that holy. So holy is something for holy people. And so I don't really come within Holy Week. Um, and, you know, um, but the great thing about Holy Week, um, this might sound harsh, but it's not about us. It's about Jesus. OK, so I'll unpack that a little, because sometimes, as I said, the religious space, you can think I'm not good enough. I'm not the praying type or I'm distracted or even work can be very busy. Like most people are working during Holy Week. You might get the half day on on Good Friday if you're lucky. So it can be hard to kind of create a sense of difference. And there's Easter eggs and bunnies in, in you know, in Tesco. And, and especially Dunn's. there's no mass. Absolutely. There's no so. ceremony. So mm. so that can be hard. Um I think the thing is, so I suppose, first of all, is the fact that it's essentially maybe about trying to create a sense of um, a little bit of silence, if possible, um, a timed sort of a little bit of reflection, if, if that's in any way possible in your life. Um, because I think Pope Francis said at the beginning of Lent, the importance of being able to step away a little bit from the busyness of what we do and who we are. And he used the example of Jesus in the desert, you know, that Jesus stepped away from from his life to go into the desert. So mm-hmm. we need to step into the desert a little bit in the sense of put away the, the gadgets, put away the phone, etc. And even if it's 15 minutes, if it's half an hour or whatever it is initially, just to try to find that space of where are you in Holy Week? Because it is Holy Week is really trying to see it's where can I meet God? Mm-hmm. And the, I think the really nice thing about Holy Week is it's the Gospels. Well, not just nice, but necessary. Um, because what we see there is Jesus in a very tender, compassionate way. And we see how it's not so much about people reaching out to him, although they do, but it's about how Jesus reaches out to each and individual person where they're at and as they need it. And he's not afraid to do somersaults, you know, spiritual and physical somersaults almost to do that. And I think that's so consoling for us because I think sometimes what we can do is write ourselves off, you know, feel um, I'm not able for this um, and this isn't me. Whereas the beauty, and you might say, uh, of our faith is we don't grow because we feel able or because we feel stronger. Um, it's because we trust him more. Mm. That's what it's about. Can you break down Holy Week for me? Um, sure, no problem. The Monday to Sunday, like what what each day does. Okay. Like what each day? F- he was thirty three, according to tradition. Um, it's it's his. It starts off with Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. So where Jesus goes in, you know, in triumph, as it were, to Jerusalem. And there's many prophecies in the Old Testament, you know, talking about the entrance of the Messiah into Jerusalem on a colt or an ass, etc. Um, for all intents and purposes, it looks a bit like sort of a country wedding, except Jesus is on a donkey going into Jerusalem. Yeah. But the point about it's kind it of, is... It's a public celebration of his divinity. Exactly. Yeah. And and I suppose everybody's out in the streets and hailing, this is this is the man. But, mm. it's, but he's already in a very divided space and has been for some time because the Pharisees are out 
to basically for his blood. Um, the ordinary people of, 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 of Jerusalem are very much excited about him. They see possibilities. He teaches with, with authority. He connects. He heals. He's there for them. Um, so he's, so that's the first, I suppose, thing, which is going. But at that stage already, we have a sense that Jesus, um, there's a foreshadowing of something else. Mm. And there's a foreshadowing of his death. Okay, and there is a sadness and a sort of a mystery over some of the things that he says that the apostles, his closest followers, the 12, don't understand. So that's the beginning. And then I suppose you've Monday and Tuesday and Monday and Tuesday, nothing happens really liturgically. Okay, Mm. it's a little bit more of the same, but, you know, he's at the same time, you have a sense that something's brewing, Mm. that the Pharisees, he can't go out openly. Mm. Okay, there's a sense that the leading, you might say, that the leaders of the society, you know, the politicians, the lawyers, the people of power want to end him. He's the opposition. He threatens their status. Wednesday is called Spy Wednesday because, of course, one of Jesus's 12 closest followers, Judas, is plotting for his death. Is mm-hmm. trying to find an opportunity to do that because so he's by Wednesday is the moment where Judas encounters the Pharisees. He does, and, he, and makes a deal. Makes a makes deal. a deal. Mm. Okay, and he basically agrees. The to, thirty pieces of silver. Exactly to to makes it makes a deal to basically yeah hand Jesus over and at a very pathetic cost. And then Thursday is the is the day of the Last Supper where it was a Passover in the Jewish tradition. So all good Jews would meet for the Passover. But Jesus, in that moment, um, he gives us his body and his blood. It's the first Mm -hmm. Mass where Jesus, you know, uh, we have the sacrament of the Eucharist and it's in the upper room. He washes the the feet of the disciples, also showing them, you know, you might say he also gives us, he gives us also the sacrament of the priesthood. He, He, and he teaches the apostles that it's a sacrament of service ultimately, first and foremost, and ultimately. Um, And then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and then we have um, the beginning of what we call now Good Friday. So basically the night of Holy Thursday to Good Friday, that's the moment where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's su- he's suffering. He's suffering in a, in a prayerful. Yeah. He's prayer, suffering in his prayer for what's to come, mm-hmm. and you know, getting spiritually ready for his very barbarous, violent death. Mm. And also, um, that's typically when we would have had we would have had the Last Supper Mass, where we have the washing of the feet. It's a very big sort of liturgical celebration in the church. And then you would have had the vigil where we with Eucharistic adoration all mm. night in many churches would have had that. Now maybe accompanying our Lord, accompanying our Lord yeah. during to make up for the fact that the apostles didn't and weren't able to do that because mm. they were so distraught and confused by, you know, geez, the atmosphere of the upper room that night. They were, you know, deli- obviously overcome by love, but at the same time, Jesus's sense, they could feel the tension in Jesus for something big and potentially it's a huge suffering that was to come down the tracks, but they didn't know what that was. Okay. So we have Jesus then in Gethsemane. You have the church, you might say, accompanying Jesus in that through prayer. And then we have... Um, Good Friday, which is the the night of the day when Jesus is tried by Pilate, who is the mm. the, the Roman Roman soldier, who's or sorry Roman, he's governor, <clears throat> isn't he? Pardon, governor, effectively, who's um, trying Jesus because the Jews have delivered him up. He's the only one who can give the legal verdict um, out of cowardice. He hands him over to the Jews, and then Jesus is is flogged. He's mm. crowned with thorns. He's crucified, and he dies. Mm. on on Good Friday at three o'clock. And then on Saturday, we have the day of silence where Jesus is in the tomb. Mm. And simply the day when the apostles gather around Mary uh, waiting and mm. she gives them courage. And then you have Sunday, which is <clears throat> the day of the resurrection of Jesus. 
which is the greatest celebration of the Catholic faith and the Christian faith. Yeah, so that's, that's what Holy Week that's is. That's interesting, actually, because I think sometimes we we pin all our celebration on Christmas Day. We kind of think, you know, Christmas Day is is it with regards to, because it is the birth of Christ, but the resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday is really the climax, the culmination of our faith. Exactly. Like yeah. Jesus's life was for the redemption. Mm. His 30 years on, you know, so we, we commemorate, you say Christmas is the beautiful feast of a baby and it's all lovely. But ultimately, yes, um, Easter is the, the the high point. This is why Jesus was born, was to die, mm. to save us. He's saviour. That's what his name is. Mm. So I think um, it's it's easier to celebrate Christmas because it, it apparently seems that there's nothing too challenging about it. All there is a lot of challenge in it. Whereas Easter... The death of Christ, considering why do we need to be saved, like that behoves us to sort of reflect and, well, where am I in relation to my journey mm. um, to heaven, you know? Mm. Um, and it's a moment for us to reflect on the the, the, the transcendental or the important things of life. What's mm. the purpose of life? The beauty of being a human person flourishing, but at the same time, um, our tendency towards evil and sin and the fact that Jesus is our saviour, etc. So I think um, it is a moment for us to consider what he did for us, mm-hmm. why he did it, how he did it, and our response. Um, and I think it's also helpful for us to think that um, a little bit like, you know, a couple who, um, who are maybe a few years married and they're sort of thinking, reminiscing over the first time they met or, or maybe even they're a little bit longer in the marriage and you know, there have been very defining moments. They've suffered together and they have an incredible love as a result and a depth and an understanding that they didn't have in the first years of marriage. Um, I think in a, in, a, in, a, in a way, Holy Week can be like, like that for us. It's a moment for us to, to think about um, Jesus loves me so much and how much he loves me. And you almost walk through those gospel scenes, which we've looked at Mm. Wednesday until Sunday, essentially, and go, where was Jesus? What was he doing? And where am I in relation to him now? Because each of the characters in the gospel represents somebody on their journey in their faith, journey in their relationship with God, which we can relate to and take on board and learn for and, and grow because all of us are in a different space. And I think it's important that we sort of acknowledge that, recognize it, and move forward wherever that is. Mm. So I think it might be, it's it's helpful, I think, sometimes St. Josemaria Scriva used to say that, or encourage people not to live Holy Week or as spectators, you know, looking on as mm. if it's nothing to do with me. It was a historical event. Whereas he encouraged people to actively get into the scene and to, to feel the atmosphere, to smell the, you know, the smells of, of Jerusalem at the time, to to almost and to feel the tensions, the anger, the joy, the suffering, the pain, because mm. that's what our Christian we're called to follow Jesus. And the closest following is in those final, that intense week, mm. because that's the reason for his existence. I think um so it's both getting down and dirty into it, really, you know, right. um, and to to own it, um, walking in his footsteps, imitating him. Uh, it's normal that we walk, we imitate, you know, children learn to walk and somebody has to bring them along. You know, they walk in different in different places, you know, and in the same ways we walk, we imitate. That's who we are. We're, we're sort of imitators in many ways. Mm. And the Gospels um, are what put Jesus in view for us. It's like sort of a flashback and walking through it. I think the characters, I just picked out three or four for the purpose of this podcast. Obviously, the, the Pharisees are very important ones because, of course, they were, you know, the people with power. 
you know, the people who'd sort of made it. And in Holy Week, they just wanted, they were looking at Jesus. They were in the frame, as it were, but they only wanted to end his life. They only wanted to crucify him. They weren't just indifferent. They were out for his blood, as it were. Yeah, they wanted to judge him. Hmm. Crit- yeah, critically. And mm. si- and then another character, I suppose, is Simon of Cyrene. Who I, I think a lot of people love Simon of Cyrene because he sort of stumbled. He didn't really mean to be part of this whole scene. Yeah. Um, you know, he was kind of literally forced to help Jesus carry the cross. Um, he stumbled on it and he didn't turn his back on Jesus, you know. And I think it's a little bit like us sometimes, you know. Maybe this is helpful, I don't know. But sometimes when you're in a rush and you're, you walk past somebody who's homeless on the street and there's a voice inside you going, stop, have a word or give them something. And, and it's sometimes we don't and sometimes we do. And it can be even somebody in our personal life who goes, listen, I need you. And you kind of go, I'm just too busy for this. I won't take that call now. But sometimes we do. And I think that's a little bit the Simon of Cyrene, being able to stop and go, it doesn't suit me but this is more important. In the case of Simon Cyrene, he was forced. We didn't have a choice. But what we see in Simon is somebody just con- who Jesus connected with and he just left, he transformed him. Mm. And I think that's the beautiful thing is it doesn't take much to be transformed by Jesus. And sometimes I think we step away from that power, not realizing all we have to do is take a baby step and Jesus just embraces us. Mm. And I think a part, important part of Holy Week is also realizing that we are in constant need of that sort of um, empathy, that forgiveness, because at times we think our limitations and our failings and our sins separate us, you know, irre- irreconcilably from Jesus. I can never do this. I'm always, there's no point anymore. We give up on ourselves. Whereas Holy Week for us is a constant reminder of Jesus saying, don't, I'm not, I will never give up on you. Um, Guardini says that each one of us is another starting point of God's creation. Mm. I think that's a really beautiful thing, that every day we are beginning God's creation. We have a blank canvas, and that's how Jesus sees it. And I think it's so important for us to, you know, to, to let God do his thing and to not to try to work it all out for ourselves because he sees us so much better than we see ourselves. He doesn't see the disasters, you know, that we see. Mm. Um, so that's, I suppose, Simon of, of, of Cyrene. Um, the other one, I suppose, is, is Judas. We have to talk about Judas, you know. He's the one we have to talk about, the elephant in the room. Because Judas thought he had it sussed. You know, Judas, you know, he, Jesus asked him to follow him, like he asked the other 11. And he followed him. And you would say with the same eagerness and conviction as the others. We don't know, we presume. Um, but in some ways, Jesus thought, Judas thought he was following a revolutionary. It was an ideology. It was a message. And he missed the point because it wasn't about control. It wasn't about power. It wasn't about security. It was about a relationship. It was about yeah. openness to others. And I think poor old Judas, I think he, he thought he knew more than Christ. Well, you that's know, what happens. Sense, yeah. yeah, he just kind of judged the situation and thought, no, this isn't isn't the way it should be done. I mean, Peter was similar in that yeah, exactly. as well. Yes. But thankfully, Peter kind of rectified, kind of, no, did rectify in the end and uh, figured himself out and returned. But Judas was very entrenched in his own mm. opinions right to the very end. So that's, yeah. Well, he cut himself off from vulnerability. Hmm. You know, he cut himself off from the sense of it's not about perfect. It's all the time being open. 
You know, it's love is about that just openness to the fact that I'm limited, that I have defects, that others do too. But it's not really about that. It's about being able to, you know, as we said at the beginning, mm. it's all about not feeling able, but trusting God more. And Judas actually felt himself more able and he trusted God less. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's the struggle I think we have so much of the time. We think basically, you know, the pinnacle is feeling more able. It's feeling on top of things. And I don't mean, we. it's great to feel able, but in control, never really. We're never totally in control, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, so, and, and, and life isn't about that status or that power, you know. Um, Jesus instead chose models that were not compatible with the, the the Pharisees' perspective of what good or perfect or godly looked like. Like chose the disciples, I mean. He chose the disciples, they were mm-hmm. uneducated, they were rough and tumble. He chose a Samaritan woman who for all intents and purposes seemed like a prostitute. He chose Zacchaeus, who was a businessman who was dubious practices on the side. He chose these people. Not that he valorized saying, I'm delighted for you that you're embezzling funds, but he could <laughs> see this man is capable, he's open this, mm. to love. And, and and as opposed to maybe the Pharisees. So I think that's helpful for us to think about that, that we're, the important thing of us in our journey, our, our Christian journey, is that we are journeying with Christ. It's not that we're perfect, it's that we're journeying with him. That's the non-negotiable there, is that Jesus is within, he's, he's, he's within view. You know, like a toddler, if a parent is within view, they're okay. If Jesus is within view, we're fine. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's the beautiful thing. I think Holy Week, when you when you read texts about um, the Stations of the Cross, you know, every single year uh, the Vatican does one. Well, the mm. Pope does one. Sorry, um, and it's just very interesting to read them because it it is helpful to see, you know, that Christ falls three times. You have Simon of Cyrene, you have Veronica. All these different occasions is pretty much almost mirroring your own life, or could mm. be mirroring your own life. You know. Um, and it is helpful to, to pray about that, pray about Holy Week through the prism or through the eyes of the station, stations mm. of the cross. You know? Yeah. So Maria has a lovely book on it, actually. Yeah, and yeah. I think there's tons of really nice resources that we put at the end of this mm. podcast that are just really helpful mm. and just really... There was one last year, I can't remember, was it last year or the year before, um, that Pope Francis asked people who work in the prison. That was last year. Yeah. yeah. And and different stations were written, either a prisoner or a prison ward. or And it just, it was so, so insightful mm. um, to see it from their perspective, mm. you know. And how the power of the love of God had changed them completely and the love of others mm. had changed their perspective on themselves. Mm. Um, I suppose the other one is to think, um, so I suppose life is beyond our strength. That's the point about it. We're not meant to be able. I don't mean we all ditch ditch life, bail out and have pity parties. I mean, there are many things about life that are beyond us and that's okay. And that's why, you know, our relationship with God is so critical because otherwise life doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so you're not really, I mean, we're not talking about this sort of thing of this passive abandonment of just saying woe of me and just God embrace me in your arms and I'll just stay put in your lap no kind of thing no because look at all the characters in the gospel there's nothing static about them Mm. if you're going to follow Christ there's a dynamism about it Mm-hmm. You know, dynamism, Jesus up, doing, moving. You have to move with them. There isn't any kind of like, do you know what, I'll just hang around and I might join you later. No, it's a case, are you with me or are you against me? 
Yeah, who was the prophet who was under the tree? Remember that? Oh, Jeremiah. It's a brilliant line. Yeah, yeah it's where true. he's kind of there sitting under the tree, really cheesed off with himself. Yeah. Yeah, and then and God, God is like, you know. Well, God you? is kind of saying to him, so do you prefer this castor oil tree uh, with these uh, to, to these pe- poor people who don't know the left or the right? You know, what are you at like? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Get so there is an element of that, of not kind of wallowing in your own pity. Well, Jesus is very driven, you know, even mm. in, as he approaches Holy Week, the apostles are struck by the fact that they, you know, that his pace, his up his pace mm. and it takes it, it takes them more to keep up with him so love doesn't know any bounds and I suppose that's Judas's tragedy is that he just wanted to be able to control it and keep it within as far as he could get it whereas Jesus is going you can't control this mm. you can't you just have to step into the space and do what you can and hold my hand and let's do this let's do something that's beyond your capacity because it's a partnership with me and Judas couldn't trust enough for that whereas Peter did Peter is, I love Peter. Yeah, Peter's He's right. my favourite. I have to say, if I was to pick one of us, he's my favourite. Mm. Because he's so big hearted. He's almost, you know, when Jesus calls him and then he uses his boat. Well, before he calls him, he uses his boat. I think that was the order of events. And he's kind of, you can almost get him looking, cleaning his nets, going, what's this guy at? Like, he's using my boat and I have stuff to do and places to go and people to be with, kind of thing, whatever. But anyway, he's, he's, he's big hearted and he loves Jesus so much. And our Lord knows that. You know, so no matter what happens, our Lord knows Peter's going to be okay, but he needs to let Peter know, look, Peter, don't, don't worry, it'll be fine. So Peter has all the big experiences, like he has the transfiguration, he sees Elijah and Moses on the mountain and Jesus transfigured and all of this. He has all of that, but he trusted himself too much. You know, he thought, you know, I'm sussed. I'm, you know, Jesus, I'm obviously in the top three. (laughs) Uh, I'm confident. And he was overly confident, but he was humble. I think he was also very passionate. There was a lot of emotion in him. You know what I mean? And it was almost like his heart went before his head. Yes. So it was like either all or nothing. Yes. Um, God love him. (laughs) I mean, God love him. You know, no, because I mean, in reality, he became... A great, a great saint. saint. But yeah. yeah, no, there was. And I suppose to understand, like when you hear he denied him three times, trying to go denied him three times, and it's kind of trite. And I was thinking, you know, before this podcast, well, what does that actually mean? How would you compare that to something, you know, in your or my life? Mm. Um, it's kind of a life or death moment, you know? It's kind of like as if, I don't know, if if somebody has done an extraordinary thing for you, like maybe they've almost saved your life, mm. and then they're almost on trial for that, and you're called up as a witness, but it's not really tense, okay? You're called up as a witness, and you say you not just only say, look, he shouldn't have given his life for me because I'm not worth it. You go up in the witness box and you say, I don't even know him. Like, it's just horrendous. It's pretty, we think, oh, three denials. You know, he's cold, he's in the fire. It's, you know, he's sleep deprived, leave him off. But no, this was big, you know. Mm. He, and he not just did it once, he did it three times. And it was a servant girl. You know, she wasn't exactly a Pharisee. Yeah, but anyway, there was very little pressure put on him. Exactly. Mm. So, um, so, but the beautiful thing about this is Jesus was bigger um, to him than he was to himself. Mm. And I think that's almost like, the, if you were to, well, maybe this is going too far, but I like to think that's almost a definition of our relationship with Jesus. He, he is bigger for us than we are to ourselves because he loves us so much. It's enough, mm. you know. And um, and the lovely thing about Peter is, um, what does he do? He's totally thrown by all these. Can't believe he's, can't believe he's just bailed on his best friend. He doesn't know what to do with it. He can't work himself out. He can't. And how often we feel like that. I can't work myself out. I've done this thing or I just don't know who I am anymore, whatever. He goes and he finds Mary. He says, Mary, I need you. I don't know what to do. I just know if I'm with you, I'll be okay. 
Um, he's nobody else to turn to. And I think that's a beautiful reminder to us. But the role of Mary, mm. like Mary's a shortcut for us. Mary's the one who, you know, she, she, she'll keep us safe. Um, and it's a lovely reminder too that Holy Week is a moment of great grace to come home. You know, God, I need you. I'm not sure how, but I know it. I know you exist. You know, our podcast last week with Lizzie Clement, you yeah, know, her moment of, of conversion, as it were, was, God, you exist and I need you. So mm. what do I need more convincing about that? And I think, and Jesus meets us there in that in that space. And that's why a Saturday is really a day dedicated to Our Lady, isn't it? Because of Holy Saturday, because Peter going to Our Lady, the apostles going to Our Lady, basically, and trying to anchor themselves against a very adverse atmosphere and then our Lord dying. We're very alone in reality. And it was a huge tragedy. There was, it was quite monumental what actually happened for them on a human level. Like mm. They were traumatized mm. by this. This is their Lord and Savior. And then all of a sudden, he's not only been taken, but he's become a, a very public, humiliating death. Um, so I think it's also a reminder to us that um, the thing of suffering, the cross is, is our part of our identity, you know, yeah. and suffer, there's always suffering in life. You know, um, Jesus came into the world to remind, you know, evil came into the world through sin and suffering came in as, as a sort of a, a, you know, as, as a sort of a, a result of that, mm. you know, a follow on effect. Jesus couldn't sort of stop that. That was just a natural follow on from it. But what he does is he steps into that space with us and says, there is no suffering that you endure alone. And I think that's what this, the, 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 the passion is, is really about Holy Week. But of course, we're an Easter people, as St. John Paul II says. Yeah, I love that um, And And so, mm. hall and hallelujah is our song. Mm. Um, so I think that's really, really important. This is building up to the fact that the victory has been won. We're just doing the mop-up job. And we have the great, great, you might say, privilege and delight of just being part of the gang. We're just trying to get there to heaven with Jesus. It's already been done, but we're just trying mm. to get there and bring as many people with us. Um so I suppose to finish, really, I think the, the really lovely, great thing for Holy Week is take out the gospel accounts, you know, mm. each of the, the end of the gospel. Okay, you'll find the gospel accounts in all of the four gospels. Like John, John Matthew, on the on onwards. Onwards, of. exactly. <clears throat> yeah. um, and there you'll, you'll find the, the Jesus' interactions with each of these individual people in the gospel. And you can pray and see yourself there and imagine what you would do or what you can learn from it. So it is prayer. I think Holy Week is a time of prayer, of connection with our Lord. It's also a time, I think, of, you know, doing a little sort of um, self-reflection in terms of, well, you know, just asking for the forgiveness, you know, going to confession, you know, opportunity. At least that's the great thing that's available still is confession in many parishes. And there probably will be, it'll be more advertised because of the, the week that's in it, because mm -hmm. it is part of our Catholic you know, commitment to go to confession during this period, Lent and Easter. And then the ceremonies, obviously, well, we don't know, but it seems like we're not going to have ceremonies. So, you know, Obviously, Holy Saturday or Easter Sunday Mass, they're, they're the, the essentials that, you know, Good Friday is optional, but it's a beautiful thing if you can go to a Good Friday, um, a, you know, ceremony. If you can't, taking the way of the cross by St. Josemarie or the one of the Pope and the Vatican are really lovely sources. Mm. There's some lovely um, ones. And there's some lovely ones. So we'll put those at the end of the podcast. But I, I would really encourage us to think about the power of just an encounter with Jesus during Holy Week. Mm. Um, it is powerful. And I think if we go with that sense of God, I don't want to sort of limit that. I think we'd be pleasantly surprised about how, how different we come out of it. And then we'll have our Easter egg on Sunday. That's it. Fantastic. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, if you have any suggestions about further podcasts, let us know. 